What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, Mike C-Rock, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. Guys, I have a friend of mine here today that I'm going to introduce you to. Um, I've talked to him in the past. I think I was on his podcast too. I don't know if I just had a phone conversation or if I was actually, I was on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. And uh, man, I've done so many recently, but guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the support of the What Are You Made Of movement and, and the Rocket Fuel book that's about to come out. Go get that book, by the way. Become unstoppable yourself. We're all capable of becoming unstoppable. And that is MikeCRock.com forward slash book, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. So today we have Dr. Pele. He is He's a best-selling author, musician, educator, and founder of Velocity Jam, where he partners with professionals to build social velocity, which turns their authentic content into clients. Born in a war-torn African village, he's experienced both humble beginnings and the victory of the American dream. His unique journey has taught him what truly drives success. And it's not who or what we are. It's how well we solve the world's problems using happiness and harmony, the music of our lives. Dr. Pele, welcome to the What Are You Made Of show. Thank you so much, C-Rock. It's a pleasure to be with you again, <laughs> but yeah. on the other side, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know what I like is uh, when you're on here and we're not in person, but I can feel your energy and you smile, you're happy. It's just, uh, it's great to be on a call with you. And first, let me start off by saying that. And secondly, I always start this show with a question of my guests, and that is, what are you made of? Mm, what am I made of? I'm made of something called profitable happiness. Now, in case you've never heard that word, it's because it doesn't exist. The, the phrase is made up, but it's made of two things that have really powered my life. I want to take you back some 40 plus years ago, back to the Nigerian Biafran Civil War when children like me, myself included, were dying every day from hunger, right? You had my mother and I living in refugee camps. Bombs were falling during that civil war. Millions of people dying of starvation. And you know what my mother did? She did the most amazing thing. When she couldn't give us food, when she couldn't shelter us, she simply sang to us. She sang songs about food and, and she put my name, Pele, into those songs. And you know what that did? It made me happy. Here I am, three, four, five years old. Just made me happy. And that's what I learned my life's most powerful lesson, which is this. Happiness can drive away fear. Happiness can drive away hunger. Happiness comes before success, not the other way around. And I actually learned another lesson, which is my lesson of content. You know what my mother really did? She used content to divert my attention from the fear and the pain and focus me on happiness. That's what we do today in content marketing. So that is what I'm made of, C-Rock. That might be the best answer I've ever gotten. <laughs> uh, we're, you know, I don't know how many shows in, 100 plus shows in, and uh, that was so well put together and said. So I'm gonna peel some of that back, but you know, I agree, man, happiness is a choice. Happiness is part of the journey now, but you can't have happiness if you don't have the opposite 
of happiness as well, because it's like darkness and lightness, right? So can you speak to that? Like, what about the, the, the experiences of unhappiness that you must have to have happiness? Well, I like to say that the, those experiences are all teaching experiences. Because everything you face, everything you find and you discover is an opportunity for you to gain perspective. You wake up one day and the sun is not shining. What do I do next? <laughs> do I give up? Do I quit? Do I just stop and say, we'll let the sun figure out? Or do I go invent my own sun? Do I go make up electricity and become the person who invented that and gave it to the world? A setback is just a setup for a comeback. I think I've heard that said somewhere. Yeah, you know, I think- <laughs> But I like to believe that unhappiness is the setup for happiness. Yep, yep, I love it. And you know, I'm wearing a shirt today. I just so happen to have a shirt on that says control the future. Uh-huh. There's a response, there's a, uh, connection with responsibility and control. And when you take responsibility for things, gives you control of your emotions, of your outcomes, of, of where you are right now. Like where you are right now, where I am right now is our fault, right? Based on our decisions, actions, or lack thereof, our emotions, everything that happened in the past. And the good news is knowing that now we have that opportunity for the future. And that's how we can control the future, right? Absolutely. And you know, a lot of us wait for the future to make us happy. Like we'll say, uh, I'm waiting to get my Lamborghini or I got to get that big house on the hill before I'm happy. You know, those people with the, like the airplanes in the back of their picture mm -hmm. talking about being online marketing gurus. None of that is real, right? They rented that. And the worst thing you can find is that person who did make money and become successful, but their happiness is not there. They're, they're unhappy. And the problem is that we're waiting for happiness when in fact happiness is not a feeling, it is an action. It is a choice. You do happiness proactively every single day. So when I wake up, I don't say, hey, am I happy? I say, I got happy. And that's why I wrote that song, I got happy on my website. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say that, like, I'm angry, I'm, I'm happy, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. And it's, you're not that. It's a energy that's flowing through you. Yep. And that, once you realize that and accept that, it allows you to let things flow through you. And you can get rid of the anger, you can get rid of the unhappiness by letting it flow through and replacing it, right? Yep. So I love that. So tell me, how old were you when you came from Africa, from Nigeria? Well, actually, I came twice. Um, I came right after the Civil War that I, I described earlier. I was about maybe five, six years old. Stayed here in the U.S., in Minnesota for a few years. That's where I met my stepmother and grew up under her ever since until now. But we went back to Africa for a while, and um, I went to secondary school there. And then I came back finally in 1987 after my father died. So I've lived in America for <laughs> most of my life. Right, in right. many ways, I am not just culturally an American, I'm physically an American as well. Right. Now, do they speak English in Nigeria at all too? Or? Absolutely, they speak Queen's English. Okay. Just like the, 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 the London people who right. came and overtook the country back in the right. 90s. <laughs> all of that. Yeah, they speak uh, you know, the British English. In fact, <laughs> let me show you a Nigerian accent right now so you know that I'm okay. authentic. My brother C-Rock, how are you doing? Eh? You look at you looking at me and smiling as though this is the first time you are seeing me. Eh? Are you happy? Yes, you're happy. See, that's... That's, that's my aggressive nature. Yeah. It reminds me of, it reminds me of Jamaican a little bit. It is. It's like Patois. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. You know, that's one of my favorite places to go is Jamaica, by the way, just because like the, the way they talk that they, they have that happy thing down. 
Yeah. Notice that, right? Don't worry, be happy. Like it's, it's, it makes you feel good when you go there. So, yeah. Yeah. But what's Nigeria like? Like I've never been there. So take me there. Now, obviously, it was a war torn uh, country for a while, but what's it like there on a daily basis when people wake up? Like, do they go to work? Like, what, what happens? Yeah. No, no, there are actually two Nigerias that you should know of. And I'm going to tell you about both of them. The first Nigeria is a Nigeria of people like, Chinua Achebe, Wale Shoinka, my father, Dr. Frank Ubuaja, who's died now, and others who are educated, been to the top of the world in terms of knowledge. And, and they, they, my father got his degree from the University of Minnesota in the 60s, 70s. These people and Nigeria in general are at the top of the world in terms of intellectual capacity, achievement, and so on. But there's a second Nigeria. And that Nigeria is what we have largely today, where the politicians and the military rulers have overtaken that country and through corruption have left it bankrupt. And so people like me had to f run away. We, we couldn't survive. I mean, you know, I went and got my education in the U.S. just to get away from that poverty. And it's infor unfortunate because if the leaders there would, would clean that up, many people like me would, would, would be happy to go back. But, you know, my case is done. I'm, I've been here I'm an yeah. American now, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. but, but I, that's, I that's the second learning. Nigeria is it, it's a poverty, but the truth is the potential and the power of African countries is unimaginable. What do you think it would take to get that like turned around? I mean, what happens when people stand up and start to fight Did that did they just take them out? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's what happened in the Nigerian civil war, the, the, the Biafran civil war. In fact, I think that civil war was the last time most Nigerians were willing to die for anything. When you get beaten down so much, you just say, okay, I give up. I'll accept whatever you guys do to me. Right, right. And that's kind of where they are now. But back in the, in the Civil War, they were like, you, C-Rock, ready to go. Let, let's do this. Right, you know? right, right. But, but not anymore. So now when you came in as a doctor, you got your doctorate in what field? I actually got my doctorate here. Um, I, got, I got all my degrees here. I got my, yeah. my, uh, my Bachelor of Architecture, my Master's in Business Administration, and then later my philosophy, my doctorate uh, uh, in um, organization and management, which the funny thing is my thesis was about business narrative. That's what I talked about back then. But business narrative is content marketing in today's online world, which is yeah. very interesting. So I've really taken my love of storytelling and music and I've brought it forward in this thing we call content marketing today. So how has content marketing changed? Like over the last, well, since you got into it and, and now, especially now, if you look at Clubhouse, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Clubhouse yet or not. I am. And that, that's the content that's on there is really what's the room title and what are the moderators talking about, right? So content is ever evolving, right? Yeah. No, no. Here's my picture of content marketing. First, there was something called interruption marketing. That is, you know, back in the day, you're watching TV and you're watching TV and you're having fun, all of a sudden this advertisement shows up, spoils your day and you're like, <laughs> I don't want this, stop it, somebody. And then we had TiVo and we had some control over that. But then this guy, and he's actually my number one hero in the world of marketing, Seth Godin, and he was on my podcast, the Profitable Happiness podcast that you were on, yep, by the yep, way. Yep, 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 I remember. He was on that podcast and it was him. He was the one who taught the world so we got to get away from interruption marketing and focus instead on what he called permission marketing. So permission marketing was basically, instead of interrupting people, just invite them into your email list. I'll have them opt in and then you have their permission. 
But guess what happened next? The internet showed up. And now everybody's got interruption. Uh, sorry, everybody's got tools yep. to create this stuff. And now everybody's spamming everybody. Like immediately you get opted into a, a, an email list. It's like, yeah. they just they just vomit all their content on you and they want you to basically buy something. Someone connects with you on LinkedIn and five seconds later, they're like, I can solve your problem. Buy this. Like, dude, stop. Yeah, yeah. And so what's happening is we need a new kind of marketing and I call it social velocity. That's what my book is about. I'm writing a new book right now. It's my seventh book called Social Velocity. And what that is, is exactly what's happening on Clubhouse today. This is it. Instead of trying to spam people with your content and knock on doors and have people beg people to buy you, simply be interesting. Share content. Make them want to follow along and get to know your brand. Just like my mother did in the jungles of Africa. She diverted my attention from the fear, from sales, and focused me instead on content. And that content made me happy. That's what Clubhouse does. It makes us happy. We learn from there. And once we learn, we get to know who's teaching and we go, okay, I like him now. I want to buy him what he's teaching. <laughs> yeah. And it's a natural selection because the people that have the best to offer and then people can resonate have the bigger rooms, it seems like. And more people keep going back. But you know what I noticed is like the different media source, the different outlets for content and marketing and advertising. What you'll see is somebody, it'll come out, right? The commercials. And then there's very little TV show. It's all commercials, like you said. The email thing came out and a few people were doing it. And then it's so much that to overcome it, like for example, my mentor, Grant Cardone, he's like, well, if everybody's going to be emailing, I'm not going to stop emailing. I'm just going to do it three, four times a day, <laughs> right? And that's what he does because he knows he needs to overdo it. Now it'll wear you out and the people that will opt out will opt out. But, and then you have your real deal people that stay on there, but he has to do that to be in this world. Here's another thing on Instagram, for example, you can buy followers, you can buy likes, you can buy views. So it's an unfair playing field, right? So that's the one thing you talked about. And I want to hear what you have to say about content too, but uh, on, on Clubhouse, you can't buy followers. Clubhouse is the real deal. You have to earn your way right now. Yeah. I don't know if somebody's going to have a, a hack at some point where they're going to be able to fake it or what have you, but there, there's been an unfair playing field in all these areas for so long. And the, the people that don't know the hacks or the ways that they have a disadvantage. And when you do find out the, the hacks, then you got to figure out, well, do I really want to play that unethical game or is it really unethical, right? Yeah, no, no. Actually, here's the truth. Every single social uh, platform, as you've said, does not like <laughs> those hacks. I mean, it's not just uh, uh, Instagram. I mean, you can buy likes on YouTube. Okay, mm -hmm. you can buy followers. Uh, I'm, I'm sure somewhere else. But but here's the here's the deal. Those companies know that this is happening, and they shut down your account if they catch mm -hmm. you. And you know there are consequences to doing this. Look, here's one common consequence. If you buy a thousand likes, right, from a thousand people, or, or sorry, from from those websites. Okay, what happens is that when you post your next thing. Zero people will be interested in it <laughs> mm -hmm. because those thousand likes you bought for the last one, you got to buy them again for this new yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, so it's not, it's not real. And, and what these social platforms are looking for is real engagement, real people who come together to actually like your stuff because your stuff is likable. Yeah. And, it, and, and so if you can focus instead of the, the spammy stuff and, the, and, and all that stuff, I call that speed, by the way, mm -hmm. trying to get instant gratification, all of that stuff. So you can get away from speed and focus instead on velocity, which is about building relationships. 
you're going to get so much better on uh, social media, whether it's LinkedIn or wherever, because the people who actually are with you, the real followers mm -hmm. are real human beings who will always come back. Yep. Yeah. Cause see, I made this mistake back in the day when I started my Instagram account, I tried to get to 10,000 so I could get to swipe up and some of yeah. the features. Mm -hmm. And I did some of the promotions with the, they have giveaways and they post your account on somewhere. And then these yep. followers have to follow you to have a chance of winning. Yep. Once I did that and I got to the 10,000, I'm like, well, now I have to figure out how to way to back the followers up with likes and all that. So then I got into that game for a little bit and I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But I know all the other people that are going to a million, unless they're a super celebrity, they're doing the same thing and you have no shot in competing with them. So I, it's like, actually, actually you do. And the shot that we have is the long game. See, in the short yeah. run, it looks like that. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. really, if you really do have good content, people will actually want to follow you. Look, it's, yep. it's, it's just like yep. any kind of leadership. You know that what mm -hmm. they say about leadership is, you know, if you call yourself a leader and you look back and nobody's following you, you're not a leader. You're just yep. taking a walk. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, so if you really want to grow followers, you just got to become a thought leader. You have to learn how to, one, create great content, make sure people engage with that content so that the algorithm will pick it up. And then you need to have the analytics to look at your content to figure out what's working and what's not working so you can make it even better. And then pour gasoline on it. That's how you can, and that's what we figured out finally, and that's how we went to where we were, and we got verified and all that jazz. But um, at first, though, I didn't know that, and I'm like, man, I got to keep up with this, you know. So <laughs> now the followers are going, you know, especially with Clubhouse. If I'm you're on, if I'm on Clubhouse speaking and it's a large room and I'm on stage, um, people are DMing me like crazy. They're following me like crazy. The engagement is going up, and this has been a perfect opportunity to increase that. So. What is your take on content strategy and creation? You said music is your specialty, right? Well, I mean, music is one of the things, you know, I, I've, I write books, I have music, I teach like you do, and I, I speak. Um, but I think the, the whole idea of content is this, who's your ideal customer and who do they, and sorry, and what do they care about? See, because if you just put out content for its own sake, you're just basically getting fame for no reason. You're just putting <laughs> right? noise out there, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you're just adding to the noise. If you have a course or a product or a service to sell, then you identify who cares about it and then you create content that is suited for them. Your content is not for everyone. If your content is for everyone, then most probably your product is not going to be targeting anyone and, and will not succeed at the level you want. So first step is create content that your tribe of people actually care about. Now, why music for me? I focus on creative entrepreneurs. I hate to say this, but it's people like you and me who care about things like music. Right, <laughs> because right, we know, right. we know we know about its educational and emotional, you know, power, right? So I use music only as part of what I do. Most of what I do has to do with helping people with LinkedIn and with content marketing and so on and so forth. Now, what are some LinkedIn strategies as far as content goes? And, you know, is it important to be going through LinkedIn, engaging with other people on LinkedIn yourself, not just your stuff and putting your stuff up, but is it important to go through and scroll through and engage with people? And how's, what's the most effective way to do that? 
That is so true what you've just said. And the reason why what you've just said is so powerful is because when you engage with other people, you're actually doing what I call one of the three R's, relationships. Relationships are reciprocal. If all I do is put out my content and I never care about like connecting or engaging with anyone else, it's like, okay, at some point the market will figure that out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what I like to talk about in terms of tips and tricks for LinkedIn is I start from the top, which is there are three R's. In fact, my book, Social Velocity, is called The Three Principles, right, for getting high value clients using content marketing. And it's focused on LinkedIn. The three R's are number one, build relationships. And engaging with others is one of the ways you do that. Number two is create reach for your content. That means you don't want to put out, you don't want to put out content and only three people see it. I like to say uh, my wife, my best friend, and my mama. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> you don't want that. You want 3,000 people to see your content. And LinkedIn gives you strategies for do that, for doing that, like hashtags and tags and groups and, and even the messaging tool of LinkedIn. You can use all of these tools to bring people together to, to create more reach on your content. And then the third thing you've got to do, and this is the most important thing, but you cannot do this on LinkedIn, is results. So relationships, uh, reach and results. Now, why can't you do results on LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn doesn't make it easy for you to, to answer simple questions like, hey, what's my best post in the last month? I don't know. I got to go scroll through the whole yep. month or yep. the whole year just to figure that out. Very now, why would, you want, why would you want to know that? You want to know that because if you don't know what's working and what's not working with your content marketing strategy, you can't improve it. As Peter Drucker may have said, because some people say he didn't say this, but as Peter Drucker may have said, you cannot manage or improve that which you do not measure. So results. We help you measure that so that you can actually get better. Why does LinkedIn not allow that? Like they don't want it to be a spammy kind of a cat thing. They want it more to be relationships and off yeah, the well, cuff well, kind of thing. Well, it's, it's because LinkedIn actually has two components. They have personal profiles and then they have company profiles. If you remember, LinkedIn actually started out as a job database, right? Mm -hmm. So yep. it's the companies that they're really kind of focusing on, like yep. companies, building all that stuff. And so, LinkedIn actually has analytics for its companies, mm -hmm. but for its individuals, the, the personal profiles, you have, to, you have to go dig through all your stuff and calculate and write everything down. How many likes did I get for this one? How many comments for this one? How many shares? You know, you have to literally mm -hmm. create your own spreadsheet to see what your data is doing if you're doing it as a person. But the funny thing is, most of us are interacting with LinkedIn on the B2B side, on the business to business yep. side as individuals, not as companies. Yep. yep. So you need a tool that can help you do that. And that's kind of what Velocity Jam does. Okay, gotcha. Cause see, that's the thing, like uh, for me, I'm all about personal brand. You know, personal brand will lead them to the company. Now, if you're somebody big, like, uh, you know, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all these big, big ones, you know, you don't have a one personal brand, but smaller entrepreneurs and businesses, to me, it's more important. Do you agree with that? Like personal brand? Absolutely. You, but but even, even those big companies like Coca-Cola, it, it's a human being who's at the, at the front of every conversation. Yeah. So even those people need to work on their personal brand. And, and by the way, you wake up one day and you get fired. That $150,000 job you had yesterday is now zero. And you went from vice president to like nobody, mm. not healthy. So you better have your personal brand in place. So when that title and money and job may be gone, you've got something. Yeah, you know, that's the thing I thought about when I was doing my thing here becoming the C-Rock brand or what have you. 
Yeah. I was obsessed every morning. Like, how can I get known? How can I become a celebrity in my space? How can I just have it out there where people don't even have to ask? Mm-hmm. Like, I, they don't need to interview me. They could just go and they, they look at all that. And when they meet me in person, Dr. Play, they can actually see like, or feel that, man, I already know you. Yeah. Like, I feel like I already know you. It's like, you know, and that, that was, that was one thing that I'm, I was thinking about. And then I could never have a problem finding work or finding the job or finding somebody to do business with. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't do that and they hold back for some reason and they're not on social media. And then when they need to go for work, they got to try to sell somebody on why they should work for, you know, that they should hire them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So can you, can you speak to that about creating basically an attraction model for yourself? Well, look at you and look at me. Look mm-hmm. at your shirt, control the future. Look at your, look at your, your background, you know, um, you know, C-Rock. L- look at me. I've got the Dr. Pillay thing. Yeah. Look at my guitar, my books over there. Dude, we work at this. We didn't just wake up and have a brand. We are building our brand just like you build an airplane while it's flying, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how you got to do with brands because it's not going to stop for you. You got to build it now. Yep. So I think the point you're making is so powerful. Nobody's going to wait for us to create our brand and nobody's going to create it for us. We've got to think, sit down and say, who am I? Who am I to the world? And who do I want to be? And then put all the stuff together that makes your brand come alive. It's all intentional. It, it's not by luck. Yeah. And then how about you when you started on your brand and doing your thing? Did you have people close to you discourage you at all? Not really. I mean, I've been, I'm blessed. I've got a great family support. My wife loves what I do and, and, you know, my friends are cool that way, I guess. But I know that not everyone has that luck, if you will. Well, 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 hold on a second. Let me, let me stop you for a second. Cause I think, and this is just me. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Maybe you might not be playing a big enough game if they haven't done that yet. No, if, if, if I, no, 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 no. I, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you, I have actually, I've had an opportunity to, to see that the reason I'm here today is because of that support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I didn't have my wife believing in me, look, my wife has believed in me when I have not believed in myself. That's, yeah, me too, man. I'm like, I have that too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. so it's like, it's not about the size of my game. It's literally, do I have a game or not? She's mm-hmm. been there for me. So I'm lucky that way. And that's why I'm trying to be empathetic because I know not everyone can say that like you or I can right. say. Right. Well, no, but I did have that. And you know what I think is I did have some of the closest people I made, made them uncomfortable mm. and on purpose. Now, this is what I was bringing this up. And I, I'd, I'd love to have this discussion with you. But like to me, my kryptonite's being comfortable, complacency, and it doesn't announce itself. It creeps in like water through a crack. Yeah. And before you know it, it's it's like the frog in water. When you sit it in cold water and heat the water up slowly, the frog doesn't jump out of the water. But if you put it in boiling water, it'll jump out real quick. Yeah. So that thing comes to my head. So I like to put the people around me in a little bit of uncomfortable situations so they complain a little bit. Yeah. But And a lot of people do that in life. And when they have that happen, the people will discourage them because they're getting them out of their comfort zone. And then they'll stop going after what they want to go after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. Why I was, that's where I was coming from on that. And actually, I can answer that question better now that you've given me some context. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you, I do have that in my life too, but mine's going to be really different from what you've described. Yeah. Mine comes from Africa. See, because the people that I left behind, the family members, the, the extended family, they all have this expectation that I need to yeah, take all these millions of dollars I'm making in America and come give it to them. Right. <laughs> And, and it, here's, here's, here's what, they, what they don't understand. My father, okay, died broke, but he died rich because the only thing that he was trying to teach the world was that you got to go get your education. Go get your education. And you know what? 
I'm one of the few people in our family, others too, but I'm one of the few people who followed my own father's advice. And I can see now the value of education, just education. Yeah, yeah. And so what I teach now is I tell them, hey, go get your education. But you know what they say to me? Just give us money. You right. have, you are in America. You, the, the streets are paved with gold. Give go. us money. Right. And I just go, dude, I'm sorry, but I cannot interact with you if that is your only paradigm. So just like you nice. make people uncomfortable, I've decided the only thing I can do is just tell them, look, if you don't get your education, if you don't go help yourself and stop waiting for someone to give you a handout, don't even talk to me because I'm not available. Yep. See, it's very nice. different from, from what you may have experienced because that's truly, look, the truth is Africa right now, and especially where I come from, culturally, it's so different now because of the poverty. So even people who are your family members, we just don't think alike anymore. Mm -hmm. I believe in doing things and creating things by my own hard work. But unfortunately, too many of them, and I'm not saying all of them, because I have some, some relatives that have been unbelievable. They've been senators, they've done big things. Mm -hmm. But too many of them are just waiting for someone to come save them. And it doesn't work that way. Right, right. In America, it happens too. That everybody thinks the government's going to come save them. And, and you know, you got to go get it, man. I love that, man. So your book is coming out when? The book is coming out in 30 days. That's, that's a great question. It's, the reason why I'm excited about that question is because I just started a 30-day challenge where I'm oh, actually awesome. releasing um, information about the book, one video per day for the next 30 days. So by April, it's going to land. But between now and then, I got a video a day on social media, LinkedIn, all, right. all about that. So look, so just for the audience to know, you're recording on your end. I'm recording on my end. This will come out later on after this. but. Dr. Pillay will possibly, with, and I'm okay with it, release this so that you guys can get involved in this challenge. And if they want to do that, depending on when you release this, because mine's going to be past it, how can I reach you to do that? Well, okay. So, all right. So let's assume I release it this week or yeah, whatever we're doing right yeah. now. I appreciate that, by the way, on my website. Mm -hmm. um, the book will be available April 1st. Okay. Uh, right now, we're just finishing up all the little things, getting it out there. But the book is going to be all about how you build social velocity and an account with Velocity Jam, which is the software that powers content marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube. Love it. Love it. All right. And then how can my audience reach you as far as social media and what's the best place that you're favorite? LinkedIn? Three places. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. And you can, you can have five. I don't care. No, just three. <laughs> First one is drpele.com. D-R-P-E-L-E.com. And that's basically where my life is. Like everything right. is there. Okay. Right. The next one is velocityjam.com, which is the software and community that we've built to help you turn content into clients. And then the third thing is LinkedIn. That's my hub. That's my area of expertise. And, and that's my little, that's my community. So LinkedIn, you know how LinkedIn has like its own .com and then slash forward, uh, forward slash I-N and then forward slash U. Yep. Mine is just D-R-P-E-L-E. -E. That's my handle. That's easy Pele. enough. That's easy enough. All right. As we wrap up here, the final question for you is, and you know, the rocket fuel concept I explained on your uh, podcast as well. And I've explained to you offline here, but for the listeners, just in case you haven't heard this before, which you should have, but if you didn't, it's my fault. Um, all setbacks, anything that comes your way that would normally stop an average individual, whether it's a setback, letdown, difficulty, discouragement, all of that stuff is fuel or training sessions for your future. So I created a rocket fuel law, which means to turn all that stuff and convert it, store it in your tank, not your trunk where it weighs you down, but in your tank where you can convert it to rocket fuel so that you don't just get back 
to the position you were before the setback, but you blast off way past that. What does that rocket fuel law mean to you? And what has it meant in your life, Dr. Pillay? Well, I can tell you right now that three, three and a half years ago, maybe, I was part of a whole world that you described too, where we were using automation robots and we were spamming people with like, hey, come buy my stuff. The same stuff that just doesn't work. And I learned my lesson three and a half or so years ago that you just can't do that. You've got, the automations may look interesting, but you've got to build relationships and you can't do that with bots. You can't do that by speed and, and spamming people. So my account got shut down. That was my, my, my negative, <laughs> that was the thing where I woke up and went, whoa, right. I can't do this, right? And many people have had their accounts you know, restricted like mine was on LinkedIn. But ever since then, I started from scratch and I have never touched an automation tool again. So because of that, I've built Velocity Jam, which is not about automation. It's not about bots. It's just a community where human beings can learn content marketing and implement it. And so, and it's outside of LinkedIn. It doesn't touch any of their database or any of that. Very, very important that you don't violate any social media platforms rules. So what I would say is for me, sometimes you gotta learn these lessons the hard way, right? Yeah. And I think you and I, obviously three, four years ago, we've seen how all this happens and we don't touch that stuff anymore. So that's how I created my rocket fuel. I was able to see that these things don't work, but guess what? There's this thing that does and it's called content marketing. It's called earning followers instead of buying them, right? It's, it's called being a real thought leader. And once you do that, <laughs> is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> Swoosh. <laughs> Swoosh. That's yeah, your right that. fuel. Great there answer. Great, great answer. Great answer. Dr. Pillay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on your show in the past. And if there's anything I could ever do to help you out, I'd really appreciate you just reaching out to me, man. And I, I would love to help you and offer some kind of value to you. And, uh, you know, again, thank you. Well, C-Rock, thank you. And I'm going to put a challenge to you. Let's get Grant Cardone in a conversation together. Okay. All right. Ooh, yeah, there you I'll, go. See, I'll be seeing him next week. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be seeing him next week. We'll work on that. So thank you very much. And guys, you've been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock and Dr. Pillay on the What Are You Made Of show. Guys, keep coming back. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or if you'd like to watch these, go to YouTube at Mike C-Rock Sirocco. Check it out. And we will be here again next time. Until then, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike crock.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me